Just want to say thank God, praise God for his incredible guidance. Let's give God a hand. Um, all the students received a sponsor from the stateside, and there were just massive Christmas presents for them. And we got a caterer from local so that he gets revenue, and we're able to support that local business. We ate, we played, we had a great time of worship, we had some carol singing, and then we let the children know, hey, Merry Christmas, we love you, and the orphanage and all of us, we were able to just pray with them. Um, and then receive prayer, and then we headed home. Yesterday, we had to go through the border. It took two hours because of the crowd, and it was all worth it. It was all worth it. And I just want to thank God, and our philosophy is we could have easily sent money down, but like we mentioned, we want to be in connection with these children. So we go three to four times a year. They know us. We know them. We see them growing up. We hear their heartbreaking stories and joyful success stories. One success story I just want to share with you. This is why we do this. One of the founders of this orphanage, uh, supporters, said that 27 years ago, it started with one child. His name was Emmanuel, coincidentally. Um, and then the orphanage uh, kind of grew out. That child today, 27 years later, is an architect for high-rise buildings in Mexico. That's amazing. And so... I asked him, is that why they named it Emmanuel Orphanatorio? He thinks it is. Uh, I have to double check with Pastor Eduardo, but Jose, he was the, one of the leading supporters of this orphanage and bridged uh, uh, in our presbytery, and then it carried over here through the Arredondo. So uh, it, was, it was so exciting. It was tiring, but it was all worth it. And yesterday, for some reason, the children, it wasn't the pres presence. There was a presence of God there. They just joyful. And um, there was a lot of hugging, and we had some families that uh, came with us, and some of the teenage girls on their way out, they were, they were already shedding tears because they were going to miss these children. And so we're thankful. You all made it possible through your support, your prayers, um, your, your giving of mission fund. So I am so thankful for this church, and I am extremely thankful, obviously, to our Father above who allows us to do mission work. So this is where we want to be. And uh, I think God continues to give us these opportunities. So let's praise God and encourage yourself next to you. Say, hey, great job. We, you know, praise God through you. So I wanted to also share that because that takes a lot of work in preparing. And I did none of it. Uh, it was it literally, truly, it was David and Alma Aradanda who had just prepared orchestrated, funded, coordinated, all of this. So I want to just encourage them, not that they do it for encouragement, but thank you, David and Alma, for leading that, and the deacons. And so this message in the second week of Advent, that preparation, it really struck home that you can't have a successful event without great preparation. And as Christ is coming back, we have to prepare well. What does preparing look like? And so today I want to share with us a story from Zechariah, which is in this Advent Christmas story. What does it look like to really prepare well? And this story is interesting because the Christmas story in Luke, it doesn't start with Joseph and Mary. Who does it start with? Zechariah and Elizabeth. 
And I, it dawned on me, according to Luke, the Christmas story doesn't start with Joseph. It's this man, Zechariah. Who is Zechariah? Well, Zechariah was a Levite. That means he was a priest who was part of the tribe of Levites. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also a Levite. And so Zechariah was one of the priests that gets to have the opportunity to go into the temple and give offering. And Luke tells us in chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. He had a wife the daughters of, from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Luke wants us to know that, that they were truly godly people. Righteous doesn't mean they're sinless. What it means is they have a right relationship with God. That's what righteousness in the Bible means. Right standing with God. So you and I could be righteous that through Christ we have a right relationship with God. Luke goes on, verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in their ears. And so that's the setup for this story and we see Advent happening here. And so I want to share three points from this story. First is, we can't give up on prayer. Second is, when we struggle with belief in God, God actually helps us in our unbelief. That's encouraging. And last, preparing for Christ can only happen with a moldable, humble heart. So let's talk about that. First, we can't give up on prayer. So Luke tells us they were advanced in years. What a nice, polite way of saying they were old. So what did they do? They had no children, and they wanted children. They're getting older, and they're like, I don't think we have any time left. So they prayed. Have you ever prayed so much for something? Some of you prayed desperately for something you really needed. Maybe it's for a family member. Some of you, you're praying right now because the outlook is uncertain, and you're praying, God, every day, just, I trust you, open these doors. You see, Jesus did tell us, right, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. Church, we are ending this year with a New Year's Eve worship because we realize we cannot, we have to realize we can't live in the United States of America, in this world, in this life, without God's mercy. So we're going to pray out of 21 and pray into the New Year 22. By the way, it's at 8 p.m. because at 9 p.m. we're going to see the countdown with East Coasters. And then, and then, you know, we'll all go to, uh, we'll go to John Bodelli's house and we'll all party at his house. That was a, that was a joke, but you're invited. And so, so Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying ferociously. And they, the very next thing Luke tells us is that there was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, verse 8. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, um, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord. In other words, he was picked out of all the priests in his tribe to be the one that goes into the temple to burn incense. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Coincidence. No. This is the way God works in his response to prayer. The way God moves things is not linear. Have you discovered that? God doesn't work linear. Like God takes you through point Z, Q, L, J before he gets you to B. You know what I'm saying? In your life, your life has not gone this way, has it? It's gone like this. 
like this, like this, and then sometimes like this, and you're here. We pray, but we have to realize God doesn't respond to prayer in the linear way that we expect God to. Verse 11, as Zechariah was in there, lo and behold, an angel was standing right beside him. Now, how many of you would freak out if you're in a dark place with candles, and all of a sudden you look up and there's an angel there? Come on, let's, you wouldn't? All of you are braver than me. And then Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw this angel, and he, he fell. And so when we're preparing in prayer, we have to be ready for the realization that the way God responds almost always doesn't come in the way we anticipate. In fact, let's put it positive. The way God always responds to prayer is far more than we ever would have hoped for. Tim Keller puts it this way. We are getting, when God answers prayer, exactly what we want, what we would have asked for if we knew everything that God knew. I'm going to say that again. When God answers in prayer, what we are getting from God is everything we would have asked for had we known everything that God already knows. In other words, we pray and ask for prayer with limited perspective. But what God gives with his loving, full, sovereign knowledge of the world gives us exactly what we need. And sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow. I'm not going to say that everything is rosy. But in the big scheme of life in this sinful, fallen world, God is able to provide exactly what's right. And we'll never understand it sometimes on this side of heaven. But God gives us exactly what God we would have asked for if had we known. And so Zechariah says to the angel, after angel tells him, I've heard your prayer. God's going to give you a child. His name will be John. He will be great, and he will come to prepare for the coming Savior. And Zechariah responds to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. I want to show you this uh, picture. Next slide. Someone posted this. It was funny. Uh, And Zechariah said, how can I know this? For I am an old man regarding a baby. And my wife is dot, 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 advanced in years. And then it says, Zechariah was marked safe from calling his wife old today. That was kind of funny. And Zechariah, those are two different meanings. He's calling himself old, but he really, literally, in the original language, called his wife advanced. So how old is advanced? What, what, how old is advanced? 70? That's pretty good. It's like 60 to 70, uh, everyone categorizes as you're, you're old. Um, older, you're advanced in years. And so God is doing this. So Zechariah sees God answer, and he's kind of wondering, how am I going to do this? And that takes us to the second point. When we struggle with unbelief during this time of waiting, God doesn't sit back and say, you figure it out. He actually works with us. Isn't that good news? Like, he doesn't say, why can't you figure it out? He works with us. I would say the same thing. Um, But here's the thing. Zechariah was just being innocent. But do you know, I looked this up, the oldest person in the world to give birth. Do you know how old that was? And for you older ladies, This may make you cringe, but let me show you. In 2019, 
Next slide. USA Today, September 6, 2019. A 74-year-old woman reportedly gave birth to twins. <laughs> Maybe the oldest ever to give birth. You think? Or it could have been Elizabeth. We just don't have an actual document of her age. And so, so Zechariah hears God's plan, and God's saying, I'm going to do something great. And Zechariah's response is, how is that possible? Now, to be fair, um, I don't know the answer to this, but do you recall Mary said the same thing? Mary, you're going to have a child. And she said, how could this be so? For I am a virgin. God never made her mute and deaf, but Zechariah, he gets mute and deaf. And some people think various, you know, reasons. But for some, whatever reason, God was working with Zechariah. He was mute. And he was sometimes deaf because later on they were signing to Zechariah. And I think it's because God was showing Zechariah specific plans. And the angel says in verse 19, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you. In other words, God gave Zechariah a specific message from God. And Zechariah, instead of receiving it, was in denial of it. But later on, the story ends well. Because of today's reading, it shows us that Zechariah moved from disbelief to belief. And that takes us to the third in the time of Advent. The only way we can prepare well for God, we need a humble heart. Can, can you say that to yourself just a little bit? Lord, give me a humble heart. And, and there's, there's like a tension there because one part of it, is it like, Lord, give me a humble heart or do I have to humble my heart? And I think it's a little bit of both. It's a willingness, but it's also God humbling us. And so what is God doing to Zechariah, making him mute? God is humbling Zechariah to see, because he loved Zechariah, to see the plan of the Messiah coming. You see, do you know who John, the, John is? John is John the Baptist who will usher in and make way to this community that Jesus is coming. Zechariah, you're part of this Christmas story. And so the reason why God is doing this is we need a humble heart to see what God is doing. A proud, boastful, arrogant, self-supportive, self-controlled, you know, self-dependent heart will never see God's plan. And so during this Christmas time, when the world is tense and you see the news and you see politics, the worst thing to do, I think, is to climb up and say, I need to fight stronger, be harder, and I need to be in control of my life. No, in the time of Advent, we're preparing by saying, Lord, softly, humbly, I come. We prepare for you. Mold me that I may see and know your plans. And so John is born. In 24, verse 24, after these days, his Elizabeth conceived. In five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach. Zechariah stayed and went home, took care of his wife. And then we have the verses that we read today. And the prayer shows us that Zechariah was able to be humble. And here's where we know. Baby's born. Everyone says, hey, it's time to name the baby boy. What should we name him? And everyone says, after his old man, old Zach over there, Zechariah. 
And then Sarah says, no, no, time out. You're supposed to name him John. And everyone looked at her saying, what? Well, let's ask the dad. It's a very patriarchal society. And so Zechariah takes out his iPad and says, his name will be John. And everyone, it says, was, were amazed. Because truly, they saw Zechariah start to speak. They heard him speak. They heard that he wanted the baby to be John. And they were amazed because they realized God was the one in this situation. It takes a humble heart. And so what struck me, and this is how we'll wrap up the sermon, is this. The first words I came to Zechariah, if it was me, after like nine months, nine months of not talking, women. How amazing would that be if we just shut up for nine months? So after nine months, what I would have said was, <laughs> finally, Kathy, the soup was too salty. Uh, the, the flowers were not watered. Honey, you, I was trying to tell you, that's human, modern, you know, jerks like we are sometimes. But Zechariah, his first words were, verse 68, listen to what he's, comes out of his mouth. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Zechariah seeing God is so good and is about to deliver us from our enemies. He goes on. And you, as he addresses the baby. My first, you know, um, conversation with Ethan as my son wasn't like, and you, my son, will carry the mantle of the COVID. It wasn't that. It was like, I'll be honest. I was like, ugh, he's, he's so wrinkly. He's, is that the way he's going to look? Because, you know, baby, newborn babies look kind of wrinkled up. And listen to Zechariah's first words to John. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go prepare the Lord, prepare before the Lord his ways. How many of you think Zechariah saw the plan of God unfolding in his son? How did he get there? Of a so humble, soft heart. And so we have to take a step back. Why do bad things happen sometimes to us or things that don't make sense? We don't know. But whenever they come, come to us, we can still say like the song we sang you give and take away, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. Why? I'm not going to trust my circumstances. God, I'm going to trust you. You're a trustworthy God, even in the pain and the brokenness. And in that kind of heart, we wait for the Lord's full reveal. And for Zechariah, he got to see his Savior born. And these two little cousins, John and Jesus, begin this ministry that God had planned from thousands of years ago, even before time. We prepare what we know, but God's already preparing what he already has established. Amen? How do we walk and live in that preparation? Pray. Be a people in prayer. Know that 
God is working with you through your unbeliefs. Thank God for that because I can't figure things out in life. But third, the only thing I can't control is, Lord, let my heart be humble so you can do your work through me. May that be our Advent prayer this day so we can praise God and say, blessed be the Lord God of Israel in Los La Mirada, Los Angeles, United States of America, and the world. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you and we ask that during this Advent season, as we see the twinkling of the second candle before us, that we wait and we long for you all the more. When, when things are great, we wait for you. When things are painful, we wait for you even with more longing because we realize we're not at our final home yet. This is truly just a passing through and our true home will be coming. So Lord Jesus, in this time of waiting, would you show us that you are God who is worthy of trust? And would you help us to sometimes still our mouths, even if you're not going to mute us, may our lips sometimes stop so we can be prepared and to know that it's not through our cleverness or our power or our money that gets us through this life, but it's by your grace. You are so good, God. And we want to profess that during this Christmas Advent season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.